Tom Ross Parry. Happy New Year. It is 2021. So nice. Happy New Year, Matthew. And uh, welcome, everyone, to 2021. Um, it, it's the sequel to the the year that you all know and love as 2020. Um, I don't know. 2001 was a space odyssey. What do you reckon 2021 is going to be? <laughs> you know, Matt, I really, I wouldn't like to say in all honesty, but I hope it's going to be good. <laughs> well, let's go into the new year with that optimism then. It's Tom and Matt Attack. me off guard there Matt you know when thinking about in comparison to last year what this year is going to be like right now it it feels just the same but I I know (laughs) that there's something good on the horizon and if we didn't think like that then yeah how would we keep going on wow that's very (laughs) dour to start the podcast I mean it's true don't get me wrong I'm not going to argue with it but like yes you have a point you went from being slightly very Slightly optimistic to very, very down in a matter of seconds. So let's not talk about this year. But it is a new year, Tom Parry. Um, Christmas break has come and gone. Uh, you are back in your flat. I never mm. left my house. And so we begin again to talk about the video games that we have been playing, the ones we've been buying, etc., etc. I hope everybody out there has had a nice Christmas or holidays, regardless of the circumstances. I, I certainly you've got did. some giving him. Yeah, I certainly did. I mean, for, for everything wrong about last year and uh, this Christmas actually felt quite Christmassy still. And that was not what I was expecting. But I think when, when you're around... Luckily, I was able to spend it with my family, so that that helped me. I know that hasn't been the case for everyone, but for me, yes, I was very thankful that I could have that kind of Christmas. And it was it was cosy, and it was fun, and it was a world away from uh, my life as it had been up until that point. Yeah. So obviously, I, I I've been living on my own and uh, working from home, and yeah, I, I I needed that. I really did. So. Yeah, I feel sort of, uh, what would you say, rejuvenated, recharged, and ready for, hopefully, uh, a better year this year. Yes, so that's all we can hope for. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was around family, fortunately, my lovely lady wife is here, and there were friends stuck in the country, which is not usually the case, so at least we <coughs> saw some people safely with social distancing and all that jazz. Played a couple of board games over Christmas once or twice, but generally just kept to ourselves. Generally, you know, had a a little bit of a potter around the park and stuff. Played a bit of Pokemon Go, which was nice. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a very quiet one here. Recharged, yes, but also, I don't know. I, I don't know what the word is. Kind of going into 2021, like sneaking into it going like is it all right is it gonna be okay is it is it is it okay just inching into this new year yeah i think we all feel a bit like that don't we about this year but you know we should remain positive as i say because 
things can only get better, eh? I'm, I mean, yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> That's all I can say. But I'm, in I'm the world very... of um, video games, you know, 2020 was actually a pretty good year. I mean, it was great for the industry and it was great for releases as well. Yeah. Not that I've played too many of them, in all honesty. Yeah, we talked about this off the air. Uh, this won't really be a Game of the Year podcast because that would have required you to have actually played some games that came out this year. And you can't think of any. Um, I, I Actually, there were some indies uh, that I played a little bit of. Uh, the only game I completed, I think, in... Oh, I completed two games in 2020. Uh, Shenmue 3. As we yeah. all know, it's well documented on this podcast. <laughs> some and... might say it was all we talked about last year. <laughs> And the other game was uh, Dead Rising Chop to Your Drop, which we talked about last time in some we detail. Uh, I have started playing Resident Evil 4 again. You know, of all the new games that there are and such, I returned to Resident Evil 4. I think it was off the back of um, Dead Rising. Yeah. It was like I wanted more of that. And because Dead Rising on the Wii is very similar to Resident Evil 4, running on the same engine with the same yes. sort of shooting and such that it seemed like the logical game to continue that sort of experience with. Hmm. That's fair. It's a great game. I mean, I know we're talking about a game which was released, I don't know how many years ago now, but it, it still holds up and it's still very replayable. Even what now. are your feelings that the, the Resi 2 remake team is apparently working on Resi 4, is the rumour going around? Well, you know, prior to playing Resident Evil 4, I thought, what is the point, you know? What is the point? And still, I could you could argue what is the point because it's not a bad looking game and it is tight. Everything's tight in that game. The design, the controls, everything about it. I, I can't really pick at Resident Evil 4 and that is why I consider it one of the best action games ever made. However, you could do something with the visuals nowadays if you compare Resi 4 against what we're seeing in the Resi 2 remake, Resi 3 yeah. remake, you could give it a nice lick of paint. And it's such yes. a good game, then, yeah, why not, I suppose, if you're going to do it? Just I hope they don't mess it up. Because when something's so perfect as it is, yeah, it's like if they change things too much, will that mm, impact on the, your enjoyment of the game? I don't know. It depends what they do with it. But they've done pretty good so far. But I have heard some criticism of Resi 3 and some of the changes they made with 3. So... Well, to be fair, like most of the criticism I heard around three is that they didn't change enough. Is that they they had the opportunity with a game that was virtually unknown, bar by the hardest core Resident Evil fans. I mean, I certainly never completed it. It was one of those I've games that came it. out. I played, I played one. I played Director's Cut. I played two, and then I was just like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this Nemesis system. At the time, it was kind of a scary idea, but then I actually played it and. I, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, and once they'd made uh, Mr. X work in Resi 2, I was like, oh, great, this is going to be amazing. And it, it still didn't... It didn't give me the same sense of dread that Mr. X did. No, this Resident is the major criticism. Because everyone expected Nemesis to have that same fear factor. But yeah. I think I heard that his appearances felt more scripted than the... Yeah. Uh, constant threat of the Mr. X character in, in, in Resi 2. So uh, I'm not sure if that if that exactly how it was in 
the PlayStation version in the other ports. Yes, it was. It was very yeah. scripted. That's why I I didn't really like Nemesis, and I never. But I beat it because oh, yeah. also the characters are a bit naff. Like I mean, yeah. Jill is Jill, but like everyone else, like Carlos and stuff, are just forgettable characters. Mm. It wasn't a full-on sequel, was it? I think it was originally planned as not the next named instalment in the series, numbered, so to say. Yeah. But just sort of like a continuation, Sony want another Resi game on the PlayStation, let's get another one out, this is what they came up with. Uh, I can't really critique it, having never played it, but I think what I heard was that Cove Veronica really was the true sequel to to 2, and the the real Resident Evil 3. And I mean, also Zero, because they started doing a lot of stuff with Zero that they wanted to improve on the original Resident Evil with. like, And that was originally started development for the bloody N64. Uh, N64, that's right, yeah. And then ended up coming out on the GameCube. Of course, uh, was it, uh, Code Veronica was the Dreamcast, wasn't it? So. Yep, it was. Yeah. So well, it gets a bit messy there, doesn't Evil History? Uh, but I think they nailed it on 4. I've only ever played through 4 on the GameCube before. Now I'm playing the 360 port of it. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely fine. Uh, I mean, I can't... Again, I can't pick at that port. I think it's it's pretty great. It's in HD. Yeah. <laughs> it looks nice enough. But then again, I was playing it on a CRT because I was playing it over Christmas. So I haven't played it on a HD TV yet. So. It looks very muddy from what I remember. I mean, I... I first played Resi 4, I watched my mate play it on the GameCube, and then I finally got a copy not long after us moving to Denmark on the PS2, and then I bought the Wii one at your recommendation, or someone's recommendation. It wasn't my, I've never played the Wii one. Really? The Wii one's quite good. The Wii one actually improves a lot of the gameplay, because you've not got the tank controls anymore. I know they're, they're slightly updated from the regular Resident Evil ones, but being able to actually aim at zombies makes the game a bit too easy. Well, I know what that's but like, very satisfying. That Dead Rising drop to your drop. So I'm I felt quite surprised like you're playing could... it on the 360. Sorry? I said I'm quite surprised you're playing it on the 360. I would have assumed you would have played it on the Wii. No, I think after playing drop to your drop, I had that experience. And I was like, well, I could go and buy a copy for the Wii, because I don't own one. But then again, why when I already have the 360 one? And uh, yeah, I could do more Chop to Your Drop, but uh, I kind of Fair had enough. my fill of Chop to Your Drop in a way that I, as much as I like that aiming thing, I felt that maybe Resident Evil 4 on the Wii would be too similar. I I had very positive experience with it. I, I never beat the PS2 version. I got quite close with the Wii one because I liked the improvement of the controls of being able to aim, even though it made it a bit easy and kind of took some of the fear out of it, it made it a better action game for sure. Oh, really? It's really fun. Although the aiming with the controller, I think, is all right. It did take me, because I went off the back of playing Top to Your Drop to aiming yeah. again with the controller. So I had the, the extreme, and now I, I can do it again. I'm all right at aiming with the controller, whereas there was yeah. a period of time where I struggled with it quite a bit, actually. But now it feels second nature again. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's hard. So in these it games in their stride. It is it, I imagine it would be. Like uh, the using the Wii Mote. You know me, I don't really like motion controls, but I think it was very well suited to that game. Absolutely, that was a genius uh, thought to port it to the Wii and also to do the same with with Dead Rising as well. I, I think those games came out. Really good, and I mean, I imagine Resident Evil Four is as good as Chop to the Drop. Top to Chop, 
That's a hard uh, game title shop to say. Till you shop drop. till you drop. Chop till you drop, isn't it? It's not shop till you drop. That's the pun. It's chop. It's chop till you drop. And it's not till with one L. It's two L's. Oh, like, like double a, pun. Like a like, till. A, like a till. Oh, that's clever. A checkout. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it's not very American, though, is it? <laughs> but but there you go. Um, I've been playing Resi for. I've been playing some other things as well. But Matt, I want to ask you what you've been playing. Um, to be perfectly honest, I have mainly been playing Ghosts of Tsushima. Um, I continue to play that game. I continue to really enjoy it. It is just a nice checkbox. Like, I go to that game, I tick one or two things off my list of things to do, and then go, right, I'm done, and then go about my day. It's really yeah. nice. It's one of those games that you can just spend a lot of time in if you really want to just go, okay, I'm going to vegetate and play some video games. Or you can get on with the story, or you can do other bits and bobs. It's it's a beautiful open world. It is a very long game. I've put something like 40 hours into it, and I've already been halfway through the story because I've been doing all the extra stuff. It is good. If you want some value for your money, a stunning game and something that plays very well, it plays like the old Assassin's Creeds, but that, to be honest with you, I kind of liked those games more than the the modern incarnations of Assassin's Creed, then go pick up Ghost of Tsushima. It, it, it's mind-boggling how good that game is. That, that sounds, Matt, like that could be a contender for your game of the year. Yes and no. Um, I, I thought about this a lot because obviously I've played some excellent games this year. As you've said, 2020 has been... A very, very good game. From what I've heard. I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, I've talked about things on this podcast. My top five, in no particular order, is probably uh, Aegis Rim 13 Centibles, Yakuza 7, um, Hades, Animal Crossing Ghost of Tsushima. I would would say Hades is number one. I really enjoyed my time in that game. I thought it was brilliant. In fact, it made me pick up all of the Supergiant games that were on sale for the Wii, so I got Bastion and Transistor on my Switch um, yesterday because they were like two quid each, and I was like, I've played these games, I'm probably never going to play them again, but keeping my time on a tradition of owning Bastion on every single system, so I I picked that up. Yeah, kind of like me and Sonic 2. Uh, I saw the Switch sale this morning. It's pretty good. And, of course, you've got equivalents on Xbox and PlayStation as well. So it is kind of that time of year when you end up picking up a few more games, isn't it, in the January sales time? Annoyingly, because it wasn't in the sale until bloody January 1st, for reasons only known to Nintendo, I actually bought uh, 51 worldwide games uh, before the sale, which is annoying. Is that Nintendo's... That's Nintendo's like weird compilation of like board games from around the world, uh, ah, classic yeah. games. I wanted some mahjong. Hmm. I, on, I had a hankering portable for some mahjong action. Portable mahjong. Um, that and the Game Boy on. wasn't cutting it for you. I just wanted something I could play on my couch in yeah. color, you know, <laughs> and like with all the niceties that a modern mahjong game has, like letting you know the hands letting you know the probability of how mm. how many tiles are left and all this kind of stuff and i guess traditionally mahjong games don't usually get a western release no they don't yeah. um i the only two mahjong games i think on the switch are hot gimmick mahjong which is like 
was originally released for the Saturn and PS2 as like a hentai game, but then they took all the hentai out for when they put it on the Switch. And this, as far as I know, like there's mm. lots of Shanghai Mahjong, which is the tile matching like pyramid Mahjong. There's well, so that's tons a different of that. game. But that's a different game from Richie Mahjong, which is the yeah. Japanese game. Marvelous. Yeah, so I I I don't get a lot of opportunity to play Mahjong. Um, I was playing some on my phone today in a game called Drumroll, um, Mahjong Soul, which I've seen some people who I follow on Twitter saying, "Oh, this is a really good Mahjong game." <laughs> However, is a Mahjong. I just thought game... of something then with your love of Mahjong. I want to see that on a T-shirt. You've got the Mahjong Soul, you know. Just, Mahjong. You've got you wearing a T-shirt with that on it. I'm sure you can buy Mahjong Soul merchandise. Mahjong um, is life. It, it's know. a Mahjong Gacha game, Tom. Um, <laughs> I, I played a bit of it today, and it turns out I was like, I got up to beat an impossible difficulty on the Switch yesterday, and I was like, yeah, man, I've gotten pretty good at Mahjong from playing Mahjong for an hour Mahjong every day skills. for most of December. Hey, and hey then Matt, I, yeah. how about a spin-off of Mahjong called Madjong? And it's it's just like crazy. And Mad-jong. Like, yeah, it's like got monsters in it or something. I'm just getting this sort of a 90s sort of <laughs> crazy. Don't give people your good ideas on the podcast. We've oh, talked dear. about this. We'll speak about it later. Okay. Um, no, I, I, I played Mahjong Tom in Mahjong Soul, and Mahjong Soul doesn't have like a, a story mode or anything. It's just playing against real people. Ah. And it turns out, Tom Parry, uh, that uh, playing against different people is very different than playing against a very good AI, especially if they know what they're doing. And so Mm. I played two matches this morning. One, I almost won, and I was a bit annoyed that I didn't. It just happened that the first player's hand was a Yakuman, which is like a very high scoring. It's like a million point hand. It's very rare. I was like, mm. oh, shit, how am I going to beat you if you had a Yakuman? And then I won every other hand. I was like, okay, that guy got lucky. This will be fine. Played the second game, got absolutely trounced. I just had no good tiles. And I just got my ass handed to me. And Mahjong Souls doesn't do the nice thing of like ranks where it's like, oh, well, yeah, you lost, so you don't go up. It just goes like, no, <laughs> taking all your points, you've just doing You're clearly crap, so... I don't know. It seems a, a bit of a tough game, and it's played by a lot of Japanese people who clearly know the rules of Mahjong better than I do. So I I don't know if I'll get into that game, to be honest with you. No. Seems good though. If you like Mahjong, it is so, good. Mahjong. Your love of Mahjong did, did that come through Yakuza? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. I played. I learned to play Mahjong for Yakuza achievements, and then I realised, hey, there's actually a lot of Game Boy games that are. Mahjong based, I would mm. like to cover some of them, and I may actually do one or two for Japanuary because I've got most of them now stacked oh, in the house. Great. So, so we've been talking about Mahjong games quite a bit, and we we really jumped from uh, Game Boy to Switch to talk about mobile a bit. But what about in between? Did, was there anything for the DS that you know of? Because imagine it would be a good platform for Mahjong. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, right? I guess there like, is. If you want to get into Japanese video game collecting. There is there is a copy of Mahjong for every system. Everything, there are probably yeah, yeah. multiple of them. To be fair, 
if I were to import them, I could buy a Mahjong title for the PS4, or I could get one for the Switch. There are long-running series that have all of these niceties that the 51-game yeah. Mahjong has. It's be, being Japanese might be good for your Japanese learning. Yes, which is actually one of my New Year's resolutions, Tom Parry, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, okay. I oh, won't yeah. we'll get into um, that then. So... But I imagine, though, sorry, just go back to that Mahjong yeah. thing, that if you wanted to collect Mahjong games, you'd probably be better to go to Japan, well, if you're planning a trip there, and just buy a load, because I imagine they're dirt cheap in Japan, whereas importing yeah. them might be slightly more expensive for a well, very common sort of game. I think, yes, definitely they are very cheap in Japan, but to be honest mm. with you, I think it's quite cheap on eBay as well, because if you are slightly interested in Mahjong, I I think it's very niche. It's like yeah. it's like Pachinko games. They are dime a dozen, because they are they are the FIFA of Japan almost in some respects. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a lot of people buy Mahjong games or they buy Go or they buy Shogi or any of these other things. And if you are into that, there is a whole genre for you. As I've said, there is also a slightly etchy slash hentai angle to it if you want to go down that route as well. And if that makes it a little bit more palatable you. for you. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you are a Japanese salary man, you got to get your kicks where you can, I guess. But there, there are tons of mahjong games, and they are relatively cheap, uh, because they are in such an abundance. Because they are very, I imagine, relatively easy to make compared to a a full triple sure. A developed a, title, a VR version. Probably that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like playing Mahjong. I find it quite relaxing and it's one of those games that like a Tetris or like something else, I, I can play a couple of hands of Mahjong and go, okay, mm. cool. I'm good now. And then get on with my yeah, day. It's a cool. nice palate cleanser. I found a game like that recently. Uh, well, I, I can't say I found it because you first talked about this game many, many episodes ago and, and how much you enjoyed it. But uh, I was reintroduced to it recently, and it, that game is uh, what's it called now? Uh, Part Time UFO. I've been playing that. Oh my god! Yeah. I saw you playing Part Time UFO. That's such a good game. Yes, I, I think I tweeted something. You did, yeah. And that's how I... excited I was about it, and it really is one of them that you can just pick up and play whenever, and it's relatively straightforward. But it, it's the physics of that game that make it, isn't it? I think it's... it is. I that mean, is the fair. intricacies of that physics system in implementing that game it is fantastic. It just oozes Hal Lab's charm, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the music, the, the visuals. It's gorgeous. It is an absolutely beautiful game. It originally, uh, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who are newer listeners, Hardworking UFO is a game published by Hal Lab. Part-time so... UFO. Part-time UFO, sorry. <laughs> ha- it's because the, the, the song working, is like, Hardworking yeah. UFO. and that's in my head Um, part-time UFO was a game published by HAL Labs I think around three or four years ago originally Mm. for iOS it was their first mobile game and I was quite excited by it because I like HAL Labs stuff obviously I play it on Android you're playing it on your phone oh okay I thought you picked up that switch port that people are singing the praises Uh... of no, no, uh, I thought I'd probably play it more on my phone because I've always got my phone with me. I actually didn't have my Switch with me at the time. Okay. I've only just been reunited with my Switch. But uh, I thought the phone 
would, would be fine, and, and it is in practice. It is. I mean, it was made for it, so yeah, yeah. It, it handles beautifully on phones. I think it's a yeah. great game. I don't imagine it's very expensive, so you should go uh, pick it up if you're listening three to this. 3 99 on Android. Pounds. £3.99. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good price. I got I a lot so. more four quids worth of value out of it. I know people are like, oh, why should I pay for a mobile game? Because otherwise, Tom, as I learned out with Mahjong Souls, full of gacha mechanics and ads. Um, yeah. <laughs> this hasn't got why. that. It's great, yeah. I I really enjoy that game. I think it's beautiful. I think the music is very catchy and will stick in my head and I will be singing, How do I can you? all day now so and for those who don't know what what it is maybe just a very quick sort of synopsis of the game that you do odd jobs as a ufo with little gacha claw not not a gacha claw it's the claw i don't know why well i mean you are a you the joke is i think you are a ufo with a little claw on it uh in japan uh crane games as we know them in the west where you know you're chucking 20 pence you win a teddy bear are UFO catchers that are made yes. by Sega, and they have like a very distinct claw, and so the UFO is essentially a UFO catcher. And, and you, you have to pick around... up things and move them. Yeah, you have to lift things. Like uh, one of them is you have to help a farmer uh, pick up his cows, and you have to stack yeah. the cows. And there's like bonus objectives for putting things in certain orders. And then that's finding... something that keeps you coming back, isn't it? Because the game doesn't let you progress until you've got a few more medals in certain areas. So yeah. you'll have to go back and replay levels, but you know, do the objective. And the objective isn't always 100% clear. No. You have to also work out, oh, what is that that I need to do to, in order to get that medal? Yes. And that keeps you coming back for more as well. Uh, sometimes like you'll have missions like the the, ver- the, ver- the variety in the missions is really good as well. Yeah, it is. You know, it's not all just move this thing from here to there. Sometimes it's balance this the thing in a particular way or work out how you're meant to stack these objects yeah. in what correct order and, and such. But then the game Make doesn't punish pyramid. you if you don't get it 100% right because uh, that is probably one of the uh, extra medals that you can get. Yeah. You know, to get the correct order. But you don't necessarily have to do that to progress. Yeah, it's it's really well put together. I love it. I it is probably one of my favourite mobile games. I I think I I, I can't think of another app that I spent yeah. as much time with as that. Yeah. To be honest, with you, even Nintendo's own things like Super Mario Run didn't hold my attention that long as Part Time UFO did. But yeah, I would recommend people if you haven't check out Part Time UFO. It's a great game. And you know what, actually, um, I heard about it in a video uh, online. It's run down, I think it's for Switch games. But what actually gave me that extra push to get it was the fact that me and my girlfriend have been watching a lot of videos on YouTube of people playing crane games. And it's very addictive watching people play those games and winning and such. And I, I wanted more of that. And with yeah. not being able to get out and do that kind of thing, I was like, oh, this might be the next best thing. <laughs> I I mean, you can also play Yakuza, Tom, and go to a, a, an arcade and oh, win. Oh, there, there is some... that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's probably win even more Mikey closer Ball. to the real thing. Cause that is yeah, the, the yeah. simulation of it. But yeah. You can do the side lean around the side of the cabinet to see where you are and where you're lining oh, up and everything else. I've seen that strategy implemented many a time. My dad is a master of Korean games. My dad is 
ridiculously good at those mm. machines. Well, Claire is as well. So interesting. Yeah. Maybe one day we will put them both in the same room and make them have a a crane off. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, one thing I'm really looking forward to when we're able to get out a bit more is to actually go uh, with with Claire and and, and have, just have a time in the arcade. Just just. Uh, really go for it and see what we can do you know in terms of winning some of these prizes that's cool you should go to japan there's lots of cool well, that's prizes it, a lot of the videos i've been watching uh, it's a channel called plush time wins okay check it out if you're interested but there's a lot of content on there and the presenters are rather entertaining okay interesting yeah. There you go. I mean, I, I, I like playing the ufo catchers more than korean games they feel UFO catchers, there yeah. is a degree of skill you need to have to them. There's like, okay, if you're good at a UFO catcher, nine times out of ten, you're going to win something, whereas Korean games, I feel, can be too rigged. There's also all sorts of different games as well. There's not just UFO catchers and crane games. There's all sorts of variations on that formula, like like pushing yeah, yeah. A, a soft ball into a hole using some sort of uh, catapult thing. and There's all sorts of uh, different ways you can enjoy these games the led ones where you have to stack blocks and they spindle and everything else yeah yeah i've spent some time in arcades boy (laughs) don't you worry um yeah but i mean also the thing like if you go to an arcade here it's usually in like the most places i've seen them in denmark like korean games are in like rest stops on highways and Mm. everything in there's been there for like 20 years and no one really wants it you want to go there? I mean, Claire's probably so good at these because she she lives in a seaside town. So of course, yeah, you, you have the amusement arcades on the front there. So <laughs> I spent all of my childhood, like my summer holidays as a kid, in Tenby in the in Wales in Pembrokeshire, yeah. and like there's not really a lot to do in Tenby other than walk around bookstores, lie on a beach in the sun, and go to the arcade because there used to be about ten of them. So I spent a lot of time playing Korean games. Oh, joys of crane games. Memories. But if um, you don't want to waste a load of your money, you might want to buy a video game instead for your kicks. Exactly. I mean, you know, four quid. What's that like? Twenty tries to win a, a spiral plush that you're never going to be able to pick up because it's way too heavy for that claw. Just saying. <laughs> Part-time UFO. Get it. What else have you been uh, been playing, Matt? Not a lot, actually. I Like I said, mainly I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima mm. um, and just dabbling with various little bits of Mahjong, uh, picking up one or two Game Boy games to go like, hmm, should I cover this for Japanuary? Should I cover that? Very, very casual on the video game in front because I had... I mean, I've talked about this in the podcast before where I was doing that like 52-game challenge... For the last two years, I've been doing a 52-book challenge instead because I was like, well, there's probably a bit more to be had of reading 52 books as opposed to playing 52 games. So I I was just reading, to be honest with you. It was mainly what I was doing other than playing Mahjong and a bit of Pokemon Go and a little bit of Animal Crossing, you know, dabbling in and out of these things. It was mainly Ghost of Tsushima and books. So what did we both miss out on this year, do you think? There's been a Immortals Phoenix Rising's come out recently. That's had a good lot of uh, good reviews, hasn't it, in general? I I hear mixed things. I hear some people say it's very good, but I also say hear some people say that the writing's not great, that okay. the humor's a bit Open weird. world action-adventure game, yeah? 
not yeah. so dissimilar from Breath of the Wild because no, it's climbing um, in it. And I, I hear Genshin Impact was a better one of those, which is another game that I've completely dropped off of because I don't know it. I just saw no end in sight to Genshin for obvious reasons that they wanted me to play forever and spend. You know, I, I never tried it, Matt. I have to say, it's a good game. I, I think it's great. I really enjoyed the time I spent with it, and it's made even better by the fact it was free. Um, it, it It's a very good one of those games. I just I got to a point where I was like, ah, I'm not... The story's not really that great. This is a bit too grindy, and I could see that to progress, I would probably start having to spend money, and I don't really want to do that. So I dropped mm. off. Yeah, I guess so maybe now's a good time to talk about a game I have... I have been playing quite a, a bit of a Christmas, actually, a Christmas gift, and that game is Jedi Fallen Order. Wow, striking these things while the iron is hot, I see. Well, isn't that a year old now? I think I talked about it when it was a year old, so yeah, probably. So have you, you've played it? I beat the game, yeah, I think it's really oh. good. Oh, yeah, okay, you know what, I even forgot I've gotten you beat it. <laughs> I love how right... I've said that game was good on this very podcast while talking to you. I said that part-time UFO was very good on this podcast while talking to you. And it takes a, a YouTube review of Crane games to get you to buy one of them. And someone that physically buy you a you copy. You have to be in the right mood for these things. That's true. What do you think of Jedi Ford Order, not Jedi? It's, it's very good. Yes, But it it's chugging a bit. Now, I'll, I'll just get this out of the way before I say about the, the great things about the game. It pushes the last generation to its limits. I had a cutscene yes. where it where it just hung on frames and that to catch up with itself in certain places. I had some bits where I was fighting troopers, um, the, the Sith guys with their weird like pseudo lightsaber things. Yeah. And it would go very slow as they tried to spin around their staffs. I haven't and... had that yet. Yeah, maybe they've they... improved that. Maybe there's been updates to fix that. But it's cutscenes. I hear they were cutscenes where I've had the issues with it. Yeah. It, I think one particular cutscene actually. It's an isolated case. It's just this one cutscene, and I think it was on the mission where you go to Kashyyyk and you're talking yeah. to Saw Gerrera, Is it? And you're yeah. walking through this sort of this, this little uh, base that they've set up, and it was really odd. And the yeah. load times are long in it too. Yes, so um, I think it's a game that's definitely going to benefit from being played on uh, a newer console. Hopefully. I think so. I I mean it it can only be improved. I I think respawn probably from the sounds of things probably did some stuff to it since I played it. Then if you're mm. not experiencing those same problems. But also, I think they're a studio that's very much about quality and very much about pushing the hardware. So with a little bit of breathing room for the PS5, then the extra CPU might make that yeah. game a very pleasant experience indeed. I find in, in general, EA have pushed uh, their studios to make Star Wars games that really look fantastic. And I think part of it is using their, their engine, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think Jedi Fallen Order uses that Frostbite engine. No, I don't. I don't I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Uh, because, of course, Battlefront 2 and Battlefront, they're both very good-looking games, and they implement EA's own internal engine, haven't they, that's been used yeah. in... This is how I understand it, in Battlef Battlefield 4 and Battlefield 1. and We'll, we'll look that up. But it, it regardless of what engine it's using, huh, Jedi Fallen Order is... An amazing Sorry, there's game. an article that has the quote, Frostbite wasn't even an option. <laughs> Right. 
So that's interesting. Um, yes. So basically, what it what it is, and you probably know what it is because it's a game that's been out some time. It's a third person action adventure game set in the Star Wars universe where you play as a, a Jedi, a survivor of the Order sixty six, uh, which was implemented by the evil Emperor Palpatine to uh, destroy all Jedi's in the galaxy. Exactly. For those of you who and- don't remember, it's that thing where Anakin did all those young'uns in with a lightsaber and all the clone That's troopers it. turned on the Jedis. But this this guy, uh, Cal, his name is, can't remember the, the surname, he's been hiding for some time and suddenly he's brought out of hiding and he, he joins up with the, the these two two people who are um, well, he's sort of tracking down sort of a an old Jedi master who is, has some sort of secret that you're trying to uncover. Yes. I mean, it's something like that, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's not heavy on story yet in terms of what I've played. Uh, you basically hop around to different planets and find out some more clues about this uh, old Jedi Master who knows a lot about something. Basically. I'm not going to lie to you. I've completely forgotten the story of that game. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what it does do successfully is make you feel like a Jedi who's just starting to learn their skills. Well, obviously yes. he's quite quite uh, adept, but in terms of using the Force and stuff, those abilities build up over time. And as you upgrade uh, Cal, you, you also get new Force moves that make you feel like you're becoming a more powerful Jedi as the game progresses. What Compared yes. to something like uh, Force Unleashed, where you are particularly powerful uh, off the bat. Especially Force on the yeah, exactly. Two. Yeah, I, so, I, so that works well. I like the the Dark Soulsy style combat as well. The fact that when you're fighting enemies, generally speaking, if they're a tougher enemy, you need to engage with them and you need to parry and you need to block and you need yeah. to do these things. It's not oh, just you spamming square. It's something different, isn't it? That's what I really. The combat is very satisfying, and you know you feel like you're being challenged when you get into combat with definitely some of the more difficult enemies. Regular stormtroopers can just be dispensed by repelling their yeah, uh, blaster fire back at them. But uh, when you get up against some more tricky foes, you really do have to implement uh, things, as you say, like parrying and such and rolling and dodging and uh, some of the the more powerful moves you learn as you uh, upgrade the character. I played that game through on easy because I just wanted to see the story and there was times where even I died because I wasn't parrying correctly and it taught me really a lot about that system. It's one of them games. Even on easy is a challenge. Yeah, I, I I can't recommend it enough. I ended up bumping up the difficulty because I quite enjoyed the combat in the end. Yeah, I've got it on normal. I've had it on normal since the beginning. And right now I'm okay with it. I think it's challenging yeah. enough. But I did find early on I had a decision to go to one planet or another planet. And when I went to, I think it was Dathomir, if you do the first planet, yeah. you get to choice between uh, one and the other. And this Dathomir planet I went to, it was tough. You know, some of the enemies were harder. And I actually went back to the ship and the characters on the ship said, oh, yeah, if that's a bit hard, like, why don't we go to this other planet and do this first? And I really like that sort of open-ended feel to it. You feel like you're in a big universe and you can travel um, where you you want to at any given time and return to those planets if there's things you've missed. And as you learn new abilities and go back and unlock different things and things like that. I I got my ass kicked on Dathomir. That's where I really had to like go. Okay, I need to play this game on its tombs. I can't just run around and slash things with the lightsaber. Yeah, there's all sorts of bugs. You find yourself de- destroying a lot of uh, 
creatures at the be- yeah. <laughs> the beginning. There's always some deadly creatures somewhere. I mean, it does a lot of the tropes of this genre. Uh, you can compare it directly to the more recent Tomb Raider games in terms of, oh, you've got the climbing, you've got the uh, sidling through a crevice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it does a lot of those things. But what it does differently from those games is it's not about shooting, it's about fighting with your lightsaber, which exactly. makes this game different and also using the force powers too but essentially it's 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 star wars tomb raider i mean if, if you liked those more recent tomb raider games but you wanted to put star wars twist on it then jedi fallen order is that game even down to the meditating spots feel like the camp sites in, in the tomb raider games yeah but i also think they feel like the campfires in dark souls yeah so but it'll, it'll influence everyone's drawing from the same well depends what you've played and yeah at the point of reference, I haven't played Dark Souls, really. I, well, a little bit. But... Tomb Raider, you know how much I like Tomb Raider. Those recent I do. Ones. Are you very happy that the the last one is now going to be the PlayStation well, Plus game? Well, just January, after so... I bought it, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm quite happy. Yeah, I mean, that game is actually very cheap in sales now, even cheaper than what I paid for it. So uh, you can pick up a digital copy very cheaply of Shadow of the Tomb Raider but if you've got PlayStation Plus then there's no need because it's exactly. free this month uh, I'm still playing Rise of the Tomb Raider I think as I previously mentioned but now I've been sidetracked by Jedi Fallen Order which is a game I find myself coming back to a lot so I think that's going to be my next game to, to finish but I do have I'm Squadrons not... too I was going to say I'm not going to lie to you Jedi Fallen Order is not very long no okay it, it's, well it's I've played it hours, hours now quite a few hours done quite a few missions where where are you in the game okay so i i, I liberated kashik uh saved all yeah. the the wookies and now i'm off to another planet so i must have done like three planets but i think I th- you return to planets as well yeah, i don't think it's like there's a mission every planet i think you'll go back and do other missions on the same planet yeah you do I think you. I think you're over the hump of the game, though. If you've done Kashyyyk, yeah, you you were not that far away from the end of that game, Tom Parry. Really, you I don't feel I've played it that game. much. I, it's not very long, honestly. Oh, I did think at one point it felt like Zelda as well. It was doing a, a dungeon. There was a puzzle where I had to move balls. Yeah, large balls and get yeah, them into yeah. certain places, and you had to think the sort of spatial logic puzzle. Oh, you wait, Tom Parry. There's plenty of Zelda-like puzzles in the back after that game, which is great. You know, you've got influences like Zelda and Tomb Raider in there, and you've got a great combat system. It's set in the Star Wars universe. It's a great game, just just marred by a couple of you know like technical things, which is only because they wanted to push the game, I suppose. To yeah, yeah. And it you is know. a game that's come out nearer the end of the console's lifespan, too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it came out around the same time as the Pro and stuff, right? It, it, yeah, yeah I think, I think were... so. It was about a year ago, so maybe not. Maybe after the Pro. Maybe but... after, yeah, but I know it's optimised for those consoles, so I assume it'll run wonderfully on a PS5. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. Uh, but Squadrons is also another game I've played. I don't know if you've had a chance to try I that one out I have not, yet. no. Um, it's been one of those games I've eyed up a couple of times, but I've never actually pulled the trigger on. It came out reasonably cheap, didn't it? When it first released it about did. 35 yeah. and now you can get it for about 20 uh, It was actually a gift uh, from a friend of mine. and I've played through the prologue. Because I've been so preoccupied with Fallen Order, I haven't played as much of it as I would have liked. But 
It's very promising, and it's very satisfying blowing up TIE fighters in that, or the equivalent, yeah. depending because you play on both sides, Empire and uh, the, the Rebels. But it's a very well put together game. I did have to switch my um, controls around because it works like uh, Battlefront and Battlefront 2 in terms that your movement is on your right stick and your throttle is on your left stick. Okay. So you push forward to, to increase your throttle, push back you know, to de- decrease yeah, yeah, yeah. and move with the right stick. However, I like moving with the left stick. I find it more natural, so I have to switch those over. But once I've done that, I, I, I find it really uh, good good to play. That's terrible. I find it really wow. good to play. Tom Parry rating. Good to play. Five stars. <laughs> I find the controls to be intuitive. There you go. That sounds There you bad, go. And you got a few things you got to think about in terms of, you know, you've got a lot of visual, uh, heads-up displays in front of you, so you've got to look at all these things, and w- uh, you've got to move power from your blasters to your engines if you want, if you, yeah. if, if the need, uh, if you need to get away from something as opposed to shoot it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I wonder how after the tutorial it's going to go because I don't think it's going to be telling you all the time you might need to move the power to this thing. No, it doesn't. From to the I other. Understand. So you, it, there is a, a, a learning curve there, but it's it's a nice looking game. Plays well. Gives you that Star Wars um, space combat fix that I think a lot of people really want because I don't think it was. I think it was pretty bad in uh, Battlefront. Front. I yeah. I didn't like it in Battlefront. At all, I thought they should have left it out. I I hear that, yeah, it's generally quite well received by both the Rogue Squadron and Tie Fighter crowd, which means they kind of got the balance right between those two games, which is great. Between like realistic kind of Tie Fighter sim versus fly around shoot stuff in your X wing, and it's satisfying um, to shoot stuff. That's the thing you've got to get right with these games. Blowing up a Tie Fighter's got to be fun. It's got to give you that yeah. sense of achievement and it does and it it often isn't in a star wars game even like i a lot of stuff i've played is, it just doesn't feel satisfying it just feels like you're just going through the motions when you're shooting down a tie fighter but it's good to hear that this game gets it right i hear the story isn't that great but i hear the multiplayer is very good and that's kind of been why i've been i'm in mm. an about buying straight it away there's a, a, a defector in the empire and that i thought yeah. was a bit oh Bit, bit blooming obvious after Battlefront 2 and how you play someone who defects from the Empire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess they're trying to stress this, that there were several people who had a change of heart who had joined the Empire, but no one people seem to have a change of heart once you join the Rebels. <laughs> do you know what I yeah. Mean? So it's, I think it's um, could do something fresh there. They're, they're replaying yeah. that same story thing a lot. I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were kind of talking about how... Gundam as a series evolves and how Japanese creators tend to have a more different view with what they can and can't do with pop culture, especially when they're like they're making a new Gundam series. And they were saying that new creators will sometimes take an old thing that's like true about Gundam, i.e. war is bad, and have a new spin on it that kind of makes you question the original source material. And they were saying that doesn't really agree exist in the West with stuff. And I was like, well, no, it really doesn't. Because like, Star Wars is very cut and dry, I think. The stories you tell within that universe. I mean, even The Mandalorian now is kind of falling into the trap of 
or we must force all of these random expanded universe characters into the story. It can't be a standalone thing. I think it's been done well, though. Oh, don't get me wrong. Mandalorian, very good. But (laughs) I, I, I can't... I liked that first season... It I think better than thing, the second because it was its yeah. own thing. Yeah. And yes, and I think it's going to go back and... to being its own thing now. I think they got they, obviously they carried on a logical move. When as soon as you introduce Grogu yeah. and have to get him to another Jedi, then then you're going to be going, you know, on yeah, that yeah. path. It, I mean, yeah, it's fair, but I mean, now that everyone's going to have their own spin-off and they're going to try and turn it into the MCU, let's see. Well, that is slightly concerning. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I was afraid for that second series after the first series was so good. Anyway, the point was just like I don't. I think a lot of interesting stories have probably been told in the Star Wars universe, and there are a lot of good expanded universe things. But I also think the trap of telling a a high budget Star Wars story is, of course, there's going to be Defector and the Empire. Of course, the Rebels are the good guys. Of course. There's going to be a bloody Jedi somewhere. Someone's going to be force sensitive and get a lightsaber eventually. Well, that it, is Star Wars, yeah. That is Star yeah. Wars. You know what I mean? I don't think you can really have those same kind of conversations that some Japanese creators, for example, are able to have around Gundam and questioning the nature of the source material. I think with Star Wars, because the ways we try tend to treat IPs in the West, I think there's things you can and can't do with it. I don't know, for someone who's not read much of the Expanded Universe, I mean, there's lots of books, isn't there, and comics and such, and I kind of steer clear of that, because I like my Star Wars straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. I like the movies, most of all, and not not even the Clone Wars I've watched very much of, so... I'm I'm not a big fan of like the Clone Wars and even I want the like... meat. I don't want like the little bits. I don't want the side salad of Star Wars. I just want the meat. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, you can you can hammer out that that tenderloin pretty thin to make a Star Wars schnitzel, <laughs> Tom. But you know, at some point you just like I would have just preferred it full on. Says the vegetarian. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think. I think, of course, there's kind of going to be a rote storyline to something like Squadrons. I don't, I don't think there's space to tell an interesting story there, honestly, without making it perhaps too un-Star Wars. It'd be interesting what comes in in the forthcoming years and and all this Star Wars content we're getting, and if it do, if it does veer uh, in another direction, maybe some of these series that will be their goal as being be nice a secondary series. Maybe that's. The stance they'll take. I mean, Mandalorian was a little bit different, yeah, to begin with, yeah. And then it it, it became Star Wars all over again, and all of your all of your favourite characters appear, and it's just I don't know. Even Mandalorian had its uh, uh, defecting from the Empire storyline. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, not everyone. Yeah, Star bad, Wars. Tom. I think we start talking about Star Wars. It's difficult to stop, isn't it? It is is what is the thing we are both passionate about. You still clinging on to some of that glean that I've lost through occupational hazards, but that's how it goes. Um, yeah, Tom Parry. It is twenty twenty one. Let's talk about the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk about because it probably affects this podcast a little bit. 
New Year's gaming resolutions for you, oh, Tom yes. Parry. Yes, we did say at the start, before the podcast, we said we're going to talk about this. Yes. I haven't really thought about it, but here we go. <laughs> I am going to try this year, bar some ongoing games that I have, uh, like things like Ghost of Tsushima that I want to finish off and Pokemon Go. I think this year I'm going to attempt to only play games in Japanese. What? Yes. But some games won't be in Japanese. I mean, some games won't be in Japanese, <laughs> and that'll be a little sneaky workaround for me to play things like Tetris. But primarily this year, mm. I think I'm going to try and play things in Japanese. Good. That's very good. I mean, that's a good goal to have, especially as someone who's learning Japanese. And also, you know, I've, I've had an experience learning Japanese as well. Uh, I don't think I'm quite ready to take that leap yet, but I think you're you're quite far ahead of me to I mean Japanese to learning. to be fair right like it is it's less a an exercise because I'm like oh I'm that confident in Japanese that I can No I can it's, it's to it. improve your Japanese isn't it's it It's to improve my Japanese absolutely it is to expose myself to Japanese because I've fallen into the trap recently of watching One Piece Tom Parry if you haven't watched One Piece go and watch bloody One Piece One Piece is the best anime I, I've ever seen I don't think I can take another new storyline because i'm reading oh. uh, my hero academia at the minute yeah oh, and okay. i don't think i need another one on top of that because i know one piece is a big sort of commitment <laughs> one piece is a very big commitment but w- tom honestly like i started watching one piece after years of not watching one piece and going oh this seems a bit naff and i've now realized it is there's a reason that is run for over a thousand chapters it is phenomenal. It is honestly okay. Dare I say it? The art style, no, definitely not. But the story, I actually might prefer it to Dragon Ball. I wondered when we we're going to mention Dragon Ball. For me, that's that's the the pinnacle for me in yeah. terms of long running. Uh, st- that's still to me very interesting. I I've been re- enjoying reading Super. Um, yeah. Even though it's a lot of the same sort of ideas, it's yeah, still yeah. very uh, enjoyable. And there's characters you just love, and I, and I take it that that same thing happens with One Piece. You you do really love yeah. the characters, yeah. And very quickly they establish themselves as great characters. And I mean, yes, like much like any other anime, they kind of fall on tropes, but all in all. They are very good characters, and like mm. they they play with expectations of those tropes in some respects. And knowing this came out in nineteen ninety two, the stuff I've seen afterwards, like Naruto, I'm like, oh, I can see, I could oh, see pre- the I Dragon Ball pre- Z lines into Naruto. Now I can also see the One Piece lines ah, into Naruto. I didn't know it predated uh, Naruto. That's yes, interesting. Uh, it, it, it's a it. It's gone on for over twenty years. is a very long running series. Um, it is the longest running comic book of all time, if I'm not mistaken. I think also the best selling, and I I understand now. There's good reason for that. Anyway, wow. slight tangent. The point of that was I had started watching One Piece to supplement me listening to Japanese. But I've fallen into the trap that a lot of people probably fall into when they're like, oh, I'll watch some anime and improve my Japanese is that I just end up reading the English subtitles because I'm so engrossed in the bloody story. But you can be at the point where you can actually understand the dialogue. I can, I can not, pick out I'm words and that's about it. <laughs> I can pick out words. I can hear when someone 
says nay and yo and ka at the end of a sentence. I understand why they're doing that. And like, you know, when someone's describing something, someone uses an adjective, like, some I'm like, okay, that person's cold. Like, I, yeah, I can yeah, get yeah, bits. More... Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not... I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, I think it's especially tricky with anime because they do so much, like, there's so much weird shit in anime to make that anime distinct. And sometimes uh, mangakas tend to use words that are weird in Japanese for effect the same way that people do in English stories uh-huh. and like trying to discern which of the bits of that of Japanese that I should actually take on board or not are is still very hard also you notice as you learn Japanese that the subtitles don't usually literally translate what they're saying no and I you I, know well it's just because... I, I find that uh, I've experienced that before I, but I, I read a very interesting book about translating Japanese last year, and it's because Japanese doesn't map one to one with English no. the same way that Danish kind of does. Like Germanic languages and even some Romance languages, there's kind of comparisons between the two. Japanese is so far removed that, you know, when someone says "gomenasai," it could be "I'm sorry," it could be "excuse me." There are multiple ways you could do that. And, like, someone just saying gomen, like, shortened version of gomen asai could be in a subtitle, and it could be like, oh, my God, I'm fucked up, I'm so sorry. Like, could be what is implied by that, why they are saying it in that way, in that tone. And mm. that's very hard, then, to get into the subtitles for English, which is also oh, of why... as long as it's saying practically the same same thing, it's fine, but... Yeah. I guess which is why like Dragon Ball and like the trope sometimes of like people having to speak really fast in English over lip movements because there's a lot more to say in English than there yeah. would be in Japanese. Yeah. I mean it works both ways though. Sometimes things are very easy to communicate in English that are very difficult in Japanese and you need to use a lot of particles and run on sentences and stuff. Point being, Tom, I am not getting other than like some listening comprehension and some reinforcement of listening, I am not getting the, the kind of study session I want out of watching anime. So I was like, right, there's the things... <laughs> I, I, you can't on Crunchyroll on the PS4, which is a, an issue in itself. But also, like to be honest with you, there's things like One Piece now that I'm watching that I'm really enjoying. I'm like, well, I probably wouldn't be getting the same out of this and also, I don't think it would be that useful to me at the moment to try and watch One Piece without subtitles. There are some anime on there that are clearly aimed at kids that I think would be more slice of life and like everyday situations and mm. I could relate to more. But at the same time, it's like, well, there's stuff I want to do this year that's non-game related and personal, like getting back in shape and doing more writing and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well if I am going to continue to have games as part of my life when I want to do this other stuff, it needs to serve a purpose more than being entertainment. Ah. Well, I know that feeling that the game games are recreational and, you know, you could be doing something more productive with your time. It's something I struggle with all the time yeah. when choosing to play a game over doing something else. Um, I found actually since I was at home over Christmas and, uh, 
I found games were a great sort of time to myself away from everything else. Yeah. But when you live on your own, like I, I even experienced yesterday, just coming back here to an empty flat, being on my own, everything's flat. Life is flat. And you don't necessarily feel the urge for that escape into a game because you've not gone from having like a, a conversation with some people or moving around or doing something yeah. different. Everything's flat. So it doesn't feel like the, the place to play a game isn't there anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my, I may have had dinner with my parents, you know, we could have had a chat after dinner. And then I was like, right, I need some time by myself now. I'm going to go in the other room and I'm just going to play a game for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have that sort of, yeah, I can't. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Yeah, it's not, you, and the thing is when it's like that, A, you can become very bored of playing a video game very quickly because you're like, well... I have I have infinite possibilities to do something else with this time, and obviously, given the COVID restrictions for me, I often get a little bit depressed playing a, a game in those times because it does feel like, oh my god, have I got nothing better to do than play this? And it's not to say that playing a game is bad. No, but that's I, the thing. <laughs> I can play a game to excess. You know what I mean? I can quite happily sit there for like six hours and play Ghost of Tsushima. I know you can. I. D- most I played recently, I think I played about four hours of uh, Dead Rising Top to Drop, yeah. probably in one evening. <gasps> yeah. That was Crazy. very different for me. I don't tend to do that. To be fair, I haven't played a game that long for a very long time. I, I think I played like two or three hours of Ghost of Tsushima the other day yeah. and was like, okay, this is a long time. I'm going to stop now. Well, I thought Dead Rising was going to end and it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I love when that happens. <laughs> Just kept going on and on. Um, yeah, it's I I get you. I I totally get that games. There's a time and a place for games, and like if you if there's not a lot else going on, unless you are playing something really exciting or something that really does something, it 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 can feel flat, hmm. and it can take your energy out of you in a way that it shouldn't. It should be like. As you say, if, like if a, your a life break changes, or or then, something else, yeah, yeah. If your life changes and and, and it's very different to how it was before, uh, it where do you fit in the games? You know, um, in order to get that balance, mm-hmm. yeah. And and that's what's happened here with, with with COVID. Life has changed for a lot of people, and a lot of people are living that sort of life that is is a little bit like less interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the space for games isn't as obvious to me anymore. No, I, I mean, yeah. to be fair, like, I feel that way with a lot of things. Like, I've managed to slot podcasts back into my life when I'm doing the dishes or if I go for a walk or something like that. I, I can get that feeling of having a commute in, but, like, that's why I had to read a load of books over Christmas because, like, traditionally, for me, reading was a commuting activity. And so I haven't really read that much this year because be it an audio book or be it a a regular book, it's either an exercise activity like running or it is a commuting activity. And to be honest with you, with the way this year has gone, I haven't really felt like running, so I haven't really listened to that much audiobooks. Mm. Because I haven't commuted, I definitely haven't read anything. So it was just about trying to get that thing back together and I, I can relate to that. I think there is... An argument to be made for games as escapism for 
from something yeah, like yeah, this Yeah, yeah, of course. That, that is the opposite of what I've been saying. Yeah, you may yeah. want to play a game because your life is that sort of flat or boring at the minute and not a lot going on. Then still that works. A game will transport you to another world and you can have that time away from it. So that yeah. works as well. But sometimes I'd... I'd yeah, I, I don't know. It's very odd, isn't it? How we play yes. games and why we choose to play games and when we choose to play them in relation to what else we're doing, I think it's an interesting topic that, that yeah. you could have a very long discussion about. You could. But this is already over an hour of this yes. podcast at this point in time, Tom Parry. Uh, so I need not... a resolution, though, don't I? You do, yeah. I, I also have another one, but this kind of goes against what I've just said. Like, I'd bought these games before... I set this resolution for myself, which, to be honest with you, I set yesterday and was like, okay, actually, I should try and play some games in Japanese, was that I wanted to beat the Persona games, and so I bought the... I got my PlayStation uh, TV out of the attic, and I bought the Persona games. So I have one through three now, and then obviously I've got Golden on a Vita anyway. Do you know, I think I've got three. You can play it on PS2... Sorry, PS3, can't you? I you think can, I downloaded yeah. the PS2 version for PS3, believe it or not. I don't know why. Because I'm never going to play it, am I? The PSP <laughs> version for the Vita, ta, 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 which is still quite expensive. It was still like 20 quid. I, I must have got it in a sale. Yeah, I, I wish I had. Um, because, <laughs> to be honest with you, the thing that pushed me to do it was I'd seen that um, Persona 3 had gone very expensive for the PS2. Yeah. And so... Ironically, the American copies not so much, but the the European copies are very expensive. I saw someone trying to sell a disc for eighty quid the other day. I was like, "Oh, that's ridiculous!" Oh, I, I, I remember seeing something a lot one. cheaper than that only a few yeah, months ago. Yeah, yeah. PS two prices are going a wall, Tom. That's how it goes. Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't know how this Persona thing will gel into that now, but at the same time... Because it's sort of a Persona anniversary or something. I heard some sort of rumour about uh, an uh, an anniversary collection or something. No, I I haven't heard anything like that. Okay, Um, it's just a tweet, a random tweet I saw, and it was was outlining, oh, it's a possible anniversary version of everything like from one till five. I hope not, because <laughs> I just <laughs> not bought now. on the PSP. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. I I might play them, but at the same time, I might not. Uh, I I may slip one or two English games in, but the the goal is to try and do as much as I can in Japanese this year and try and progress that. Well, you've got lots of Japanese Game Boy games, I'm sure, that can also uh, help yeah, improve I do. Japanese. I will also cover some English Game Boy games as well. Biographic listeners, don't be afraid that it's only going to be Japanese stuff. But like my personal gameplay time, I mean, mm. will be primarily Japanese. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and you played all of Yakuza Seven in Japanese, I presume. So. Uh, well, I mean, Japanese audio. Yeah, audio. Yeah, of course you have subtitles, yeah. but still, I think if you you know subject yourself to all that Japanese, then something's gonna. Your listening I mean, it, skills, at least the way the way people say words, I yes, mean, is going to be improved, isn't it? Yeah, and it makes me question sometimes some of the ways that I said goodbye, and I was actually worried for a while that matane, which is like see you soon, yeah. was effeminate because there there are certain phrases and certain things in Japanese like bokuwa is like I am hmm. or I I do. As a guy, whereas like Watashi is gender neutral, 
which is the default one, but then there's lots of ways to say, like, a feminine, like, oh, I did this. And I was like, is matane this? Because I never hear it. And then I heard Ichiban be like, matane! And I was like, okay, cool. If Ichiban can say it, I can say matane. It's fine. But not sayonara, because that is more... I didn't realise this. That's more farewell for a while, isn't that it? Is that is more like... I'm probably never, never see you again. see you again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realise that. I thought before learning Japanese, Sayonara was just uh, the regular Japanese uh, uh, goodbye, but it really isn't. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, it definitely isn't. I mean, like, there's jane, there's matane, bye-bye, uh, if you just want to use katakana. Yeah. There's a couple of ways to say it, but yeah, Sayonara is more, like, final. Like, you would, yeah, gonna... you would say, like, you might say Sayonara to someone at an airport or... Something like that. It, the literal translation of it, I think, means I will see you on the next page of our life, like when yeah, we've turned yeah, to the yeah. next page. It's quite poetic, but it is generally means like oh. farewell, like bon voyage, like I'm going to, I'll see you when I see you. Hey, Matt, you know, our listeners are getting more than just games nowadays, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, we're coming at I'm you with Japanese lessons. I'm aware we've talked about Japanese language fair bit over the last few uh, podcasts. I th- I just think it's because it's something that's top of mind for us both because we're studying it, right? Like yeah, that's how it yeah. goes. Um, but what about you, Tom Parry? Any anything you were thinking well, of? I Is there think any it, game it, series in, you want to take? In general, think? is to play through a lot of the games I've been meaning to play through because right. I think once you 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 start completing games, you realise it's possible. I can yes. finish games. Yes, and maybe Tom it's Parry, just selecting can. those games which um, aren't as long. <laughs> maybe saying that i've still got yakuza zero i know that's long to do but i do feel a an urge to go back to it but you know Are if you, you play games regularly um daily even then you're going to get through them and uh, that's yeah. not something i've i've done much of playing games uh daily um but maybe i'll find that little hour or so here or there in, in in every day to, to to play a game and maybe i'll get through them but I don't want to get into a point where I'm just trying to complete stuff. I still yeah. want to play them when I want to play them for recreational uh, purposes. But I would like to finish Fallen Order. And I have a real uh, urge to go back to Resident Evil 2. Yeah. And uh, I'll finish 4 again, no doubt. Neither of them are very long. Just saying, yeah. you can beat Resi 2 in about six hours. I think Fallen Order is about eight. Like Wow, Resi 2 shorter than um, Resi 4 then. I'm on Resi about the six-hour mark. Is... I'm not even halfway through. Resi 2 is a very short game, but bear in mind you generally play it through twice. Ah, yes. And, but right. then again, saying that, the second campaign is usually shorter because they don't make you redo everything. Mm. So I think if you play Leon and then Claire, you're probably looking at somewhere like ten hours, but I, I just beat Leon's campaign because that's generally what i did the first time around i know there's extra stuff with claire but i just watched those cutscenes. yeah i think the thing is less games and not buy as many games exactly and i think it is also about picking the games that you feel passionate about to beat Mm. there was a time i do in general i don't buy games i'm not passionate about no but i mean i think you i picked up a bad habit from you in some regards in that (laughs) 
you you tend to sample games. You tend to buy things. You were okay with like picking them up for five minutes and playing well, them. Well, I think you've got to say there's different types of games. There's games that are story-driven and long and may take so many hours to complete. Then there's games yeah. that you can throw on, like Tony Hawk, for instance, You yeah, know, yeah, and you yeah. can play that for a bit. Or, or arcade-style games, fighting games, you know, uh, sports yeah. games, uh, arcade games. But I, I, I think you and I and also doing this podcast contributed to it massively is that I started buying a lot of games to talk about on this podcast. Uh, uh-huh. And I think there was a point in time where I was beating lots of games and spending a lot of time playing games because I wanted to talk about the newest releases on this podcast. And like as time's gone on, that's become less of a priority for me. And I just... I would just say pick the games you are passionate about and also realise that sometimes when you're playing a game, just because you've started and you've invested like five hours into it, that you don't have to complete it, you know? If no. you don't like it, you can just go, no, actually, I'm all right. I mean, Absolutely. I almost did that with Ghost of Tsushima, to be fair. Like, I was like, oh, okay, this is all right, but it isn't really what I want. Also, and then I ended up loving yeah, it. You can... so... Some games... Um... It's difficult to stop. You get so into them, you know, yeah. and they're really good games. And that's your personal preference in the games that you like playing. That's how you learn what kind of games you like. And yeah. uh, I, I've learned a lot over the years, not just to buy games because they appear in like Kotaku's top 10 games for a system. Exactly. That's top 10 games for one person. That That's their tastes. Yeah. I don't like RPGs very much, you know. I don't play them very often. I don't need to own them. I, I'm not a big kind of stealth fan. So Yeah, me neither. You know, so uh, don't see a list of 10 games that somebody says are the best games for that console and think you're going to like every one of them because you're not. Yeah, especially like... Well, unless you, well, you might do unless you have a very, very um, interesting games. But there's usually those ones that you know you enjoy more than others. And I think those sort of games that keep you playing throughout are few and far between in a way, um, yeah. depending on the person, the kind of game you like playing, and the quality of the game too. Saying that, there are a lot of good quality games, and I think that's also a problem nowadays. The quality of games is so high, the amount of them, there's so many of them, and the length of them is so long if you're playing a story-driven game. So. But then you get things, as you say, like Resi 2 or Fallen Order, which aren't that long. Titanfall 2 is not very long. No. You know, so... I think uh, that's good. I'm glad there are games like that about which don't take 40 hours to complete. But it's no. great that there are games that take that long. As long as they're varied, I think that's also a problem, padding out a game for the sake of it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like that. And I think there's a few bad examples of that in the... Well, good well, examples fair, of that, but it's bad that they like think, that. I do think Ghost of Tsushima is guilty of that. I do think mm. there's a lot to do... And a lot of it is very samey. I talked about this on the podcast. Is why I put it down in the first place. But I, I approach that game differently now. In that I like looking at it so much, and I like just hearing random spatters of Japanese. That I, I will go and I'm not trying to do everything in one go like I was. I wasn't trying to sit down for a session and like blast out like four hours of right. I'm gonna yeah. do all the fox shrines. Now I'm just like, oh, cool, there's a question mark on this map while I'm riding to this other mission. I'm going to go have a look at that. Or maybe I'll go, hmm, there was one or two little temples down here that I didn't finish. Maybe I'll just play for half an hour, do those two temples, and then turn the game off. Like, 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Remember, you can play a game like that. You don't have yeah. to just go you all out. You don't have it. to you go all out. No, exactly. Play it in smaller chunks. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm quite enjoying it at the moment. I do think it is a bit bloated. I do think some of the stuff is very samey, but I like what's there enough hey, that I'm I'm playing it anyway. I like regular save points. If a game uses save points as opposed to like auto saving at certain times. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil Four is a game which has a lot of save points. Ghost of Tsushima, Tom, save any time. Just wherever save you are in the time. world, you're like, right, cool, I've climbed this tower. I'm going to go make a cup of tea. Save. Here's a game that's not very good for save points, Resident Evil 1. Yeah, not very good for save points at all. <laughs> and also, penalises you for saving often. Yes, yes. So that isn't a very easy game to do that with. I mean, I think, no. yeah, maybe games are more like that in the past. There's yeah, big, I mean, they were. Bigger games. Yeah, I mean, Yakuza, like, I remember when I first played through Yakuza 1 uh, on the PS2, I had to apologise to my wife, because it was in a, a long cutscene, and she's like, can we go? And I was like, I, I, not only do I need to watch this cutscene, but then I need to run to a save point, and it's been so long since I've had to do yes, that. Yes, because if you don't get it saved, you have to watch that cutscene. Exactly. Well, you should probably skip it, but still, yeah. I, to be fair, I don't think you could. And also, unskippable like, kind of unskippable cutscenes are terrible, especially if you play through a game before. Yeah, especially if you've already seen that cutscene because you've died and then you're yes, forced to watch it Yes, that as well. Shenmue 3 is guilty of that, you know, if you quit in quick time events. Yeah. Yeah. As you know. Oh, my God. There seems like there's some big problems with Shenmue 3. I don't think I'm ever going to play like him. Oh, Let's no, see. no, no, please do, because it will... You will overcome your problems with it by the end. I, I, if you like Shenmue in general, then even you, you'll be able to look past its issues. They shouldn't Let's be there, see. but yeah. they, they are, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> not all not all great art is perfect, Tom. That, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's especially true of Shenmue Three, though. If I'm being totally honest, from what you've said. But it is still great art. But great art. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. Other than beating games, anything else that comes to mind? Is there a series you, you want what, to explore? or If if it comes to me, I'll tell you next week. I'll have a think okay. on that one. Fair enough. We don't want okay. dead air. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. Hmm. I mean, we've, we've been yeah. talking for a while anyway, so I, it's all well and good. Okay, um, if you have liked this podcast, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. We're on the old Twitters at TMA Cast, at Gameboy for me, at Tom Parry 11 for Tom. Uh, if you have any New Year's gaming resolutions, uh, let us know at TMA Cast. Maybe we'll read some out on next week's podcast. That would be fun. Try and inspire Tom. Yeah. Um, We'd like to increase audience participation, so yeah, exactly. Crank those metrics. Um, you can also find us on blastprocess.com. You can listen to it on tomamattack.com forward slash podcast, as well as in iTunes and Stitcher. Still not on Spotify. Something I meant to do over over Christmas, and that's I was a, a New Year's lazy. resolution. Yeah, I will get us on Spotify. I apologise, everybody who's listening to their podcasts in the Spotify. I will make sure that it's done by the end of the month, at least. And yeah, while you're in those platforms, why not give us a cheeky written subscribe? Let us know that you are listening. Tom Parry. Matthew Boyle. Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year. Let's go into 2021 with more optimism than we mustered at the start of this podcast. Because as you said, there are a lot of great games with a lot of good quality, but there's also more to life and we should embrace those factors. 
and then you will be happier in general. Exactly. We will not say sayonara to our listeners because we will be back next week for a podcast. So we will say matane and also matane. Tom Parry, the thing we also say every week. What is that? Game on. It is indeed. Game, game on, everybody. On. <laughs> yes, it would be. Oh.